0: Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Um, We have had a lot of interesting guests on this show in the last few years since it began. Um, There are a few guests that I have on, though, that don't really need an introduction, and today's guest is probably uh, the top of that list of not needing an introduction. His name is Senator Joe Lieberman. I was fortunate enough to interview him about five years ago when we started our Orthodox Jewish All-Stars series. Back then it was just a video. Um, My brilliant husband suggested that we do it every year and open up All-Stars nominations, which are open right now on our website, actually, on JewintheCity.com. But Senator Joel Lieberman is really the uh, ultimate Orthodox Jewish All-Star I would say just in terms of the professional world, being an Orthodox Jew that was public about his faith, um, and really um, just constantly living as a Kiddush Hashem um, in American history so far. Um, this is really the top of the top, so it's such a pleasure um, to have you on our show this morning, and uh, thank you for making time to speak to us.
1: Allison, thank you uh, very much for having me on. Thank you for those uh, very uh, generous words. I've been, I've been... Uh, really uh, blessed in my life. And uh, part, one of the big blessings is that I came along at a time when I could stand on the shoulders of a lot of Orthodox Jews who had gone before, but also at a time when our society was really uh, open to um, to differences. And uh, so I've been lucky. I, I remember that first interview we did. You, you, it was a great one. I enjoyed it. And I'm glad to be back with you.
0: Yeah, and you I made a job in politics, if I recall, but I've uh, I've still stepped to Jewish outreach. I, I did, I did.
1: Right. So, but, before we better, got on Better we're that you're doing what you're doing.
0: We were chatting before we, we started recording about what I've been up to, and I was explaining to you how our work has now expanded into the you know, ex-Chasidic community. Um, but I didn't get a chance to ask you, and I'm sure our viewers, our listeners, might be interested as well before we talk about uh, the book that you just wrote, um, which, which we'll focus yeah. most of the time on. So what have you been up to since uh, you retired from Senate? Huh.
1: So I left the Senate, but, I, but I'm the sort of person who... Uh, Will not retire until I have to for physical or other reasons. Um, uh, my wife, uh, Hadessa set this standard, uh, knowing me, which is, uh, I know you'll be busy. Just don't ever be as busy as you were as a senator, and that's a that's a low bar. So, uh, or a high, you know, high bar, whatever. In other words, it's hard to <laughs> be busier than that. So we we moved to uh, New York. Uh, following what we describe as the uh, uh, migratory flight pattern of grandparents, which means that uh, two of our four kids and five of our grandchildren uh, live in New York, so we wanted to be closer to them at this stage of our lives. I joined a, a law firm in Manhattan, Casswood Spence, half halftime. And in the other halftime, I'm doing a lot of other stuff, such as teaching. I teach a course at Yeshiva University once a year on a uh, question related to government or politics in America I uh am involved in a lot of nonprofits um mostly on foreign policy defense policy education reform and um maybe the most uh, quixotic which is uh, to try to bring some bipartisanship back to Washington uh and I get to spend more time <laughs> by family so uh you know i was 40 years significant number in elective politics uh and uh i never wanted uh, god willing my life to end there i always look forward to a chapter like this and i've enjoyed it uh, which is now five years immensely so that's what i'm doing
0: I love that this is your less busy plan, because my husband is a full-time lawyer, so I'm just picturing his schedule in half with all those other things, so um, I guess you were very busy Um <laughs> So, so you, we're here today to talk about um, a book that is going to be coming out soon, With Liberty and Justice, The 50-Day Journey from Egypt to Sinai. This is not the first Jewish book that you've written. I believe this is your second. The first one was The Gift of Rest. Am I correct about that?
1: that's correct the gift of rest which was about shabbat
0: and can you tell us since we can't talk about feedback yet from this book since it hasn't really uh you know been out to the public yeah
1: yet. yeah this is a this is an unusual and I appreciate your interest in advance of the appearance the book um is due i mean it's done but it's due to be published a week before pesach in other words by uh before the end of uh, this month of march so um this is a uh, a book that I've I've really had in my mind for a long time. I I, I think uh, I have a Jewish muse inside there somewhere that le- leads me to uh, want to do this this kind of book. It combines both my religious interests and my interest in the law, and it's it, 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 religiously it comes from uh, a feeling uh, observation, pretty obvious, I suppose, that while uh, Passover is the most observed of the Jewish holidays. It is linked uh, in extra inextricably to uh, the least observed, probably, of the Hagim of the Jewish holidays, which is Shavuot, celebrating the uh, receive, the revelation on Mount Sinai, the receiving of the, the law there. And um, to me, uh, uh, that's a shame, because... Uh, Shavuot is arguably um, uh, 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 not, not up to Shabbat, but, but uh, among the Hagim, you couldn't say, is the most important because it is it commemorates and celebrates uh, the defining moment when God gave us the law, the Ten Commandments, the Torah, which is our uh, national mission statement, our our destiny, if you will. I remember hearing a rabbi uh, of my youth say that um, the Jewish people were not really a people when Abraham, Abraham, our father, entered the covenant with God, and not not even during the period of the forefathers, or even uh, in Egypt in slavery, or, or even when liberated by God from slavery, they became a people. We became a people at. Uh, mount sinai when we got essentially our mission statement as a people which was to accept the law and as i tell the story i try to draw a larger lesson and this gets into my public life or my personal life as a lawyer as a lawmaker and as a law enforcer when i was attorney general of connecticut about the necessity of law important but really necessary that um, freedom is not enough, and the and the Torah tells us that that um, the, the, the children of Israel were liberated from Egypt not just to be free, um, because freedom without law usually uh, leads to really always leads to injustice, immorality, violence, uh, chaos. But with the law. Um, we can achieve justice, and that's from whence uh, the title comes with Liberty and Justice, which is obviously from the American Pledge of Allegiance to one nation under God with liberty and justice, with liberty and law gives us justice, and that's the um, ultimate aim that we have. So that, that, uh, and and incidentally, uh, I had the idea, and I think in the end it, it works to organize this book in fifty into 50 short essays about the journey from Egypt to Sinai, about the law, about the Ten Commandments. And the essays, are 50, because they can be read one by one on each day of the Omer, obviously. Yep. If somebody buys the book, uh, it's up to them how they want to use it. They can read it all at one time. They can use it. At a tikkun, a study group on Shabbat night, whatever. But if you want to have a little supplement to the to the counting of the Omer every day, uh, this book will offer it to you in, in a, a bite sized piece.
0: And would you say is your audience the group of people that don't celebrate Shavuot currently, or because as you're talking now and saying that we were freed, but you know, Matan Torah was our mission statement, and this is maybe speaking to my own experience because. Our work, which began to reach out to people that had less engagement with Jewish study and Jewish observance, as my childhood reflected, it's expanded now into people that grew up with this. all grew up observing, grew up learning um, and missed the point. And I sort of wonder, have we forgotten our mission statement, um, even in the observant world for many of us? Have we, you know, are we just sort of going through the laws and reading them through, and reading our texts and taking tests, and um, and going by rote, but actually forgetting that there's a mission statement that it all leads back to.
1: That's a that's a really great uh, question. So, uh, I probably have um, more than one uh, audience uh, desired audience in mind, but the number one is, um, I'd say, people who observe. Passover, but never make it to Shavuot, uh, just to try to open them both to the holiday, but obviously more than the holiday to its meaning, and that is the centrality of law and values in Jewish life. And it's about, like, I talk in a few of the essays about uh, this uh, tension that you can um, be halachically precise in your life, live by the the specific commandments, of the dictates of the law, but also uh, live a, a life that is uh, immoral or unethical, and it's clear from the Torah that that's not what um, God wants of us. That really, given a choice, um, hope both—we both are halakhically observant and we're um, um, ethical and moral. Uh, but honestly, if you had to choose, the choice clearly is uh, Jewish values. So. Uh, so that's the prime audience. I'm sure that uh, that a number of people who are already observant will read it. I hope so. And that they'll use it because they already count the Omer as something a little bit extra with every day of the Omer. I hope also that there's a certain crossover here uh, into just the people who wonder about the role of law in society and how important it really is. And maybe that means lawyers, law students. Uh, Etc so but but you put your finger on it the main mission that I have is to do a little outreach a Kirov of here uh, to to bring people into more thinking about Jewish values and around the observance of uh, the Shavuot holiday
0: so now this being your second Jewish book as I mentioned before um, can you talk to us a little bit about sort of the responsibility that you see using your platform um, to to reach out, to educate, to inspire people, to delve a little bit deeper? Because it seems pretty clear that, you know, while you 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 use your platform to impact positive things in terms of government and, you know, our wonderful country, um, there's a certain amount that you obviously feel responsible or pulled towards to um, give back or inspire our people.
1: Uh, thanks. So, so that definitely has been in my mind, and um, you know, I said in the Shabbat book that um, that uh, I, I was obviously not writing as a rabbi or a Jewish scholar. I mean, I've done I've done a lot of studying over my life, etc. Learned a few things, but that I was writing as a layperson. Um, and which meant, as I say in the uh, introduction of this book, that I have less authority but more latitude than a rabbi would have. But uh, but really, you touch on something else, and um, this is something that was in my mind, and, and uh, Rabbi Menachem Genach, who's a rabbi with the OU, who I learn with and study with, uh, and as a friend said to me that there, there are obviously a certain number of people who will read this book because you, I, as a former senator, uh, are writing it than if a rabbi writes it, and uh, I hope that's true. And so it is really a way for me to give back, also, frankly, for me to share uh, my own experiences. I mean, I I love Shavuot. Uh, um, I I really have an excitement about the days between Passover and Shavuot. because of what they represent along this this extraordinary journey that um Yisrael, Israel the children of Israel took between uh, uh slavery and freedom and law um so it's an opportunity for me to convey that and, and hope that a few more people may read it just because uh of of who I have been lucky uh, what I have been lucky enough to do in my life and and public life
0: in terms of, you know, you said that, and I don't know if you have any thoughts about this, but I'm wondering now, maybe it's the the gathering every year with family. Pesach seems to have stood the test of time more in terms of people observing it more than Shavuos. Do you have any thoughts about why um, one holiday has lasted? I mean, in some ways, Pesach is kind of more annoying to do with, you know, the, the matzah and, you know, right. changing what you've eaten. People are lactose intolerant. That's why they're not doing as much news. Any thoughts about why <laughs> one holiday seems to have stayed more uh, popular than the other one?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And, you know, I'm only guessing, but um, part of it, I think, is the story, wh- mm-hmm. which is the, the story of uh, which has universal appeal uh, and, and therefore has a very broad appeal within the Jewish community because. Which is the story of uh, liberation from slavery, uh, and um, but interestingly, uh, in, uh, the the story appeals to people who are not at all religious, but Jewish, and even not, of course non-Jews. Um, and um, even though the, the the central figure in the story is God, who reenters history uh and and uh redeems the covenant as it were by liberating uh the the children of Israel from slavery but i do think that the other um aspect of passover that has made it so universally appealing and uh, and made it the most observed of jewish holidays is that it happens around a dinner table mm-hmm. with a, with the family in most cases and uh, that has a social aspect, which is uh, it's very important and very positive, very constructive. So I, <laughs> but it it is in many ways more demanding. Not everybody observes it fully according to rabbinical halacha, but uh, it is more, much more demanding than Shavuot. I, I always I say at one point in this book that uh, I love Shavuot uh, because of of the substance of the holiday about the law. And, and the mission statement um, for um, Jewish people for all time. But, uh, you know, it comes at a wonderful time of year, it's springtime. It is associated with the harvest, and um, the, the, the our homes and synagogues are um, uh, filled with flowers and plants. But then I also must say <laughs> that it ha- it's appealing because, you know, it's two days and— the Diaspora in one day in uh, Israel—it's a short holiday—and <laughs> there are opportunities to get everybody together around a table too. As you know, Allison, in a lot of places in the world, particularly in the U.S. and um, Israel, there are there are uh, Shavuot evening gatherings. Uh, sometimes for dinner, sometimes after. Uh, which are uh, occasions to learn and study uh, the Torah, the law. Uh, some go uh, throughout the whole night and uh, end with uh, praying, davening, uh, the next morning, and the, and the recitation of the uh, from the Torah of the Ten Commandments. So there are plenty of of opportunities to put into uh, Shavuot uh, what, what seems to have worked so well for. Uh, Passover, and uh, I hope in, in some small way I can help to make that happen. I, 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 it is true, as you may know, that in Israel there's a growing movement. I don't want to overstate it, of community-wide um, learning sessions on the uh, night of Sh- on the Shavuot, mm-hmm. and uh, they include a lot of people who are dati who are not religiously observant. But um, are drawn to to learn and study Jewish law, Jewish values, Jewish Jewish uh, ethics, uh, and and uh, that's all constructive. May it may it continue to grow.
0: Amen. I um, I'm just as you're talking oh, about this now. I'm thinking. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges a holiday that is, I mean, other than the draw of cheesecake, which is you know a good draw unless you're lactose intolerant, <laughs> uh, a holiday that yeah. is focused around Torah study you know, we have so many highly educated Jews where, you know, when I was in college uh, 20 years ago, you just had one major. Nowadays, people are double and triple majoring and a bachelor's degree isn't enough. You know, most people have master's and, you know, degrees beyond that. We're so educated right. and yet, when it comes to our own texts, we know so little. And I think um, I didn't do any real Torah study until I made this sort of had this interest in my teens to start delving into my uh heritage more deeply and I think there's so much um I guess prejudice or misunderstanding around Torah study that it's
1: Yeah, I agree. Um I I agree there is a lot of um uh, it's kind of ignorance. Uh, but once you get into it and yeah. I try to whet people's appetite at the beginning of the book by, by talking about the um the the value of uh, discussion and debate uh and um this is a real opportunity to do that the other thing about these study groups on Shovewood um they give they give uh, Jews of of various religious uh, levels of observance, observance or no level of observance the opportunity to sit together and talk and learn and discuss Jewish values and Jewish learning and um Well, uh, I've I've said it before, and I'm not the only one. We're we're not able, for various reasons, to all pray together. But we certainly ought to be able to sit and study the Bible, the Torah, together and discuss it. And, Uh And Shavuot is the time to do that.
0: I love that. Um, I guess the other thing that I'm wondering in terms of the popularity of one holiday versus the other is that I think that for some people or maybe a lot of people, there's a turn off of being told what to do. They see Judaism as so dogmatic and kind of like, you know, who are you to tell me what to do, even if it's God, maybe. So <laughs> I don't know if you have any really. thoughts. Um, I mean, I've, I've sort of heard two things. Um, people don't like to be told, well, we won't know because it's God sort of in the the Job model of, you know, we can't explain suffering. And then also kind of, you know, I want to get to choose to do what I want to do. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about the value of maybe submitting to a higher power or a higher authority versus just doing everything that, you know, like maybe, I guess maybe the question, if I can crystallize it now why not my own morality versus a higher morality? Right. Maybe So I'm not saying anarchy, but I'm saying what I choose to do, which looks moral right. to me, versus submitting to a higher power.
1: Yeah, so um, this is uh, really, at, again, at the essence of Shavuot and the Revelation and giving of the Lord Mount Sinai. I mean, the the Ten Commandments begin not with a commandment, but with a declaration by God, that God is God. And that that's the source of legitimacy, credibility, and hopefully um a, a kind of unity um of everybody who observes so it's 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 something beyond ourselves i think if we if we just left it uh, to our own morality, we could end up with the kind of chaos and injustice that I talked about. everybody would make their own law i mean part of what I traded book is to to show. How the the law that began at Sinai really has been an inspiration and a, and a model for legal systems that have followed, uh, including particularly um, sort of Western legal systems. But it goes beyond that. But the 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 Ten Commandments clearly um, were embraced by the by the Catholic Church, by the uh, Protestants, including particularly the Calvinists. They were very much in the mind of the people who founded America, and uh, who developed our own Constitution, Declaration of Independence, and legal system. So, in a way, we continue the, this standard setting uh, to to bring about unity uh, that began at Sinai. Every time um, a legislative body in a in a free country uh, considers a law, that the the law becomes the way the society uh, expresses its um, understanding of what's right and what's wrong, and its aspiration for how people can be better than they would otherwise be. So in in other words, if if everybody sets their own rules, uh, it's not going to work. But if we have common standards beginning with Sinai, but then expressed in uh, democratically selected legislative bodies, interpreted by judges who are accountable to the law, uh, the higher law, including the constitution, then then we have a chance of of living in uh, societies of justice. And uh, more often than not, we've been lucky in um, in America, and I'd say in Israel, to uh, to have that be so.
0: And we have just a few minutes left. Um, one one of the first things I noticed on the book is that um, you wrote it with Rabbi Ari Khan who I actually uh, had as a rabbi in seminary, one of my favorite rabbis, so I'm just curious Oh, I didn't know
1: that. He's a wonderful man, a great rabbi, and he, he really helped me a lot in this book.
0: And um, I'm saying you just like sort of went to him for guidance, or how I'm saying you like you wrote it and you bounced ideas off of him, or did he bring Torah into it as well? Yeah, or?
1: yeah this was kind of an organic process. I mean, I, it was my idea for the book. Uh, I learned, uh, and I had the idea about how to organize it and what I wanted to say. Um, uh, but I, 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 learned about four or five books ago that, it, it, that, it, because I'm doing as much as I am, it's good to have a collaborator. In this case, I wanted a collaborator who, um, was a rabbi, was a scholar, to m- make sure that the ideas that I was sharing, um, were, uh, were based in, uh, you know, Jewish law, Jewish experience, and, um, so, um... Uh, we worked together in setting out the the, the outline of the book. Um, I mean, I'd say I did most of the writing. Uh, Rabbi Kahn uh, made suggestions about certain chapters that should be included. some cases, he submitted drafts, and I, um, uh, either for material he had done before or fresh material that he did for the book, and then I try to put them in my language, because as I say at the beginning, I thank him for his contribution, but but I'm the author, and, and I have to therefore take responsibility for everything in it. But it was, it was a wonderful collaboration. I, mean, I don't know whether I just mentioned this, but Rabbi Ganach, Menachem Ganak recommended Rabbi Khan because uh, OU Press publishes with Koren some of his books. And uh, it was a good match.
0: Yeah, I, 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 it was. I read it. It was excellent. Um, and I guess just the last thing I wanted to um, ask at the beginning, I kind of got garbled into a longer question I asked, we we don't don't have feedback yes. yet for this book since it hasn't you know hit the shelves quite yet. But um, do you did you get to hear feedback from the gift of rest? Did, do do you know comments or you know uh, anecdotes get back to you from from that book?
1: Yeah, yeah, I tell you what, I I got wonderful feedback and I found myself saying first to my wife and then others. I think that when my when, when my days on earth end with God's help, it will be a long time from now. And I look back, I will actually feel that writing the book on Shabbat was one of the most important things I did, notwithstanding the fact that I had an opportunity to do so many other things in uh, public service. Um, And I judge it by the reactions. I mean, uh, some of the most dramatic, uh, uh, a a Jewish man wrote me, told me, um, he he had, I'm sorry, non-Jewish, well, he's Jewish now, but a man wrote me and told me that he had, um, uh, married a jewish woman she wanted him to convert he didn't want to somehow he got the book and it it changed his attitude toward judaism and he uh, converted which was extraordinary to me and another um another kind of reaction usually from people who are already religiously observant was wow you know i read this and i the way, if you can be a senator and and uh Remain observant. Then I can do it, <laughs> and in the sense that you can be accepted by uh, the the broader community. And then I got some great reactions from non-Jews. Um, the, the most um, one that comes to mind right now was uh, from a man who was president of Brigham Young University and a leader in the Mormon Church. I think his name was Cecil Samuelson. But he told me he read the book and he, re- he really f- realized that he was allowing his smartphone to interrupt his Sabbath observance on Sunday. So he turned it off, and he said there was a panic on the Brigham Young campus for a couple of weeks as people couldn't reach him. But then they realized why, Mm. and uh, when he opened his uh, smartphone on Monday morning, he had a lot of backed-up email, but uh, his Sabbaths were much more satisfying to him. So uh, that's a sampling of why... I feel so good about about the book, and I hope in some small way that this book on Shavuot and the law uh, can also affect people's lives.
0: Okay, so that's my bracha for you. It should have uh, as big or bigger of an impact.
1: <laughs> Thank you for, for your bracha. It means a lot to me. Amen. And the best of everything to you and your family. Thanks for the great work you do, Allison, for, um, for, for observant Judaism, for modern Orthodox Judaism and and for outreach generally.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, God willing, we hope to talk to you maybe on your next book.
1: Good. All the best. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, bye-bye. And thank you for listening. You can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.